0: Good morning, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 30, Jeremiah chapter 30, I'm going to read verses 12 through 15. For thus says the Lord, your affliction is incurable, your wound is severe, there is no one to plead your cause. That you may be bound up, you have no healing medicines. All your lovers have forgotten you, they do not seek you. For I have wounded you with the wound of an enemy, with the chastisement of a cruel one, for the multitude of your iniquities, because your sins have increased. Why do you cry about your affliction? Your sorrow is incurable because of the multitude of your iniquities. Because your sins have increased, I have done these things to you. Let's try to imagine you are a citizen of the Jewish nation. Identified at this point in history as Judah. And in your life and in the nation that you're a part of, God has been not just neglected but abandoned with few exceptions, a few faithful people who were called the remnant. But think of it personally for now. God was once at the very center of your life, but now for you and for many around you, God And his will has slowly slipped away from you. And as that decline has continued, a variety of sins have been permitted into your life, more and more. And now you hear these words of the Lord delivered by the prophet. Your affliction is incurable, your wound is severe. There is no one to plead your cause, that you may be bound up. You have no healing medicines. All your lovers have forgotten you. They do not seek you, for I have wounded you with the wound of an enemy, with the chastisement of the cruel one, because your sins have increased. Why do you cry about your affliction? Your sorrow is incurable. Because of the multitude of your iniquities. Because your sins have increased, I have done these things to you. This was the plight of the people of Judah. And the reason they were sent into exile in Babylon. After many warnings and considerable time to repent, They were taken out of their homeland and into Babylonian exile for the reasons given in this passage. And it's a good study for us today. What brought Judah down? And the value of this is what brought them down can bring nations down today, but more personally... What brought the individual people down can bring us down. So it's good for us to study. Idols. You know, I think this is sometimes hard to imagine when you read about idolatry as it is portrayed in the Old Testament. It's just sometimes hard to imagine. I'm opening my Bible back to Isaiah 44, I'm going to meet you there in just a moment. But I want you to think about being blessed by God, objects of His love and grace, guided, instructed, corrected, blessed. Then you turn away from Him, not all of a sudden but gradually, and it reaches a point where you and those around you build objects out of wood and stone. Falling down in worship before those inanimate objects. (coughs) Isaiah described this in Isaiah chapter 44 beginning at verse 9. Those who make an image, all of them are useless and their precious things shall not profit. They are their own witnesses. They neither see nor know that they may be ashamed. Who would form a God or mold an image that profits him nothing? Surely all his companions would be ashamed. All the workmen, they are mere men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up for they shall fear. They shall be ashamed together. The blacksmith with the tongs works one of the coals fashions it with hammers and works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he is hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The craftsman stretches out his rule. He marks one out with chalk. He fashions it with a plane. He marks it out with a compass and makes it like the figure of a man. According to the beauty of a man, "...that it may remain in the house." He cuts down cedars for himself, "...and takes cypress and the oak. He secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine, and then rain nourishes it. Then it shall be for a man to burn, for he will take some of it and warm himself. Yes, he kindles it and bakes bread." Indeed, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire. With this half, he eats meat. He roasts a roast and is satisfied. He even warms himself and says, Ah, oh, I am warm. I have fi- I've seen the fire. And the rest of it, he makes into a god. He carves an image. He falls down before it and worships it, prays to it, and says, deliver me for you are my God. Now, when you read this, you have a very quick response. And you say to yourself as you read this that Isaiah wrote, this is appalling. I would never do this. We would never fall to that level of ignorance and irreverence, yet whatever we adore, whatever we worship, whatever stands between us and God, that is idolatry. I know that we think of idolatry as an ancient Primitive thing, something rather crude when we read passages like this. And we consider ourselves to be enlightened, modern, and advanced. But when God is demoted, when material things and success and pleasure and self interest stand between us and God, We cannot claim that we are better than the idolaters in Judah or Babylon. Isaiah says, does no one consider, is there no knowledge or discernment? These probing questions the prophets brought up should challenge us today to examine carefully just where God is in our lives. Is he underneath a bunch of other stuff? if God and the things of God are just one of many other activities that get priority, if God just has attention on Sunday morning, or Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, if there is no ongoing place in our minds for God and His will, if we are absorbed and attracted to everything other than God and His Son, if we know what our response to God should be, but we are busy and we procrastinate and we have so many other things, therefore we are negligent, are we not going down like Judah? Because of our modern idolatry. Now make this personal. What keeps you from full and complete commitment to God? What stands between you and God? What has your attention and gets your time and captures your thoughts? And and God becomes somewhere secondary and eventually at the very bottom of the list. Idolatry is what brought Judah down and it can bring every one of us down. We need to believe that, recognize it, and guard against it. Immorality. Immorality brought Judah down back in the book of Jeremiah this time over in chapter 13 Jeremiah chapter 13 verses 22 through 27 and if you say in your heart why have these things come upon me For the greatness of your iniquity, your skirts have been uncovered, your heels made bare. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to do evil. Notice verse 27. After the prophet recognizes their shame. I have seen your adulteries. And your lustful names, the lewdness of your harlotry, your abominations on the hills and the fields. Woe to you, Jerusalem! You will still not be made clean? In my lifetime, from the 1940s until now, sexual immorality has made a rapid journey from shame. To celebration. From shame to celebration. What was considered wrong is not only considered okay today, it is advertised, it is celebrated, promoted, and in some case taught to children. Or they see it on TikTok. The Bible says that marriage is honorable, but the world has reached a sad place where any kind of relationship seems to be admired or promoted while marriage is considered (coughs) outdated. And did you know the federal government and the states fund relationships outside of marriage? And there's almost no sexual practice that is objected to anymore. Pornography is a toxic plague that corrupts men, demeans women, hurts children, destroys marriages, pulls families apart, but enjoys such easy access, your phone can become an avenue down into that dark alley. I know that we have serious issues with our economy and the courts and the government and political hostility in the border, but pornography and sexual immorality and sexual trafficking just doesn't seem to make it into the list of problems that we talk about. It brought Judah down It can be a part of what brings our society down. And as Christians, we need to be people who uphold purity and God's pattern for marriage and the home. Now, what happened in Judah that took them into exile did not stop with Judah and Babylon. I want you to listen to what Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul addressed all of this. He said, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You know, passion with absence of discipline has just always been a part of the sin problem. Passion, fire without the absence of discipline. And none of us should ever imagine that we have escaped What passion can do to us. Immorality in all of its forms and types brought Judah down. And it continues to bring people down today. Do you have any doubt? People get caught or trapped in their desire to be so amused and so romanticized. And everything that goes with that, their minds are clouded to the sensual temptations so pervasive in our time. Stop this morning and consider how sensual temptations might destroy you. Or consider how you might help counsel others to a higher level of purity. Injustice brought Judah down. And this time I'm going to go to Isaiah and let him give us an account of how injustice plagued Judah. I'm going to be in Isaiah chapter 59 to read some about that. Isaiah chapter 59. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. For your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. Isaiah 59, likewise in Jeremiah chapter 5, injustice was a huge problem in Judah that led them into exile. When Jeremiah spoke of injustice, in Jeremiah 5, he said, Go out into the streets and see if you can find one man who seeks truth and justice. Now how bad is that? Can you find one man who seeks truth and justice? Can you find a man who still gives good attention to integrity and truth and God's authority? You can find many men and women who seek attention and financial gain and advantage. Can you find people who seek truth and justice? Are we the people who seek truth and justice? God ordained that there be civil law, and it has always been his purpose that that law be applied without favoritism. What's wrong is wrong, no matter who the wrongdoer is. The criminal needs to bear the penalty for his crimes. The violent offenders cannot go free. The minor offenders need to pay the penalty. The revolving door in our time is not God's plan and can be the downfall of society. You cannot use money or favor to get out of jail without the application of punishment from duly constituted law. God is a God of justice, and he's always expected that law be applied and enforced without favoritism or political or social agenda. Ignoring the law, skirting justice, failing to punish evildoers is part of what brought Judah down. And Peter wrote about what ought to be in 1 Peter 2, 13-17, where he said, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Whether it be to the emperor as supreme. Or to governors as sent by him. To punish those who do evil. And to praise those who do good. Wouldn't that be so valuable. If we got back to that. Two very simple things. Punish the evildoers. And praise those who do good. Why is this important? Next verse. This is the will of God. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, but not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor everyone. The Emperor. That's God's way, but it wasn't the way of Judah. And it seems in our time justice isn't being objectively applied. I've got one more. What brought Judah down and could bring us down? Just indifference. Jeremiah forty four five. But they did not listen or incline their ear to turn from their evil. Judah reached a point where they just didn't care. Tragically sad when people just move so far away from God, they reach that place where they just don't care. Uh, listen to these words in 2 Kings twenty one nine. in the days of Manasseh. They paid no attention. So it says about Judah, they did not listen. They didn't incline their ear to turn from evil. They just didn't pay attention. That's indifference. And indifference always leads to defiance. First, we drift from God and we drift to a point where we don't care. And when we don't care then in that stroke of immature impulse of not caring, we defend our apostasy and it just doesn't matter anymore. God isn't a big deal anymore. Maybe he was at one time, but we don't care anymore. We move toward defiance and defiance involves indifference. When we start not caring, And we sense that we're not caring the way we once did about God. That should be warning lights that flash. A big billboard warning sign. A loud alarm. That we are headed for the worst possible judgment verdict. If we don't wake up and repent and care again about God and the things of God, there are some very simple signs that you really care about God and His presence in your life. Do you read your Bible? I don't mean do you just have one, carry one, and own one. Do you read it and do you use it and do you examine yourself when you read it? See, that means you care. Then do you take that self-examination to self-correction and live better? See, that means you care. Do you worship in spirit and in truth? That means more than just coming to a building. When you get here, do you pay attention and worship in spirit and in truth? See, that means you care. Do you assemble to the best of your ability? Do you participate in Bible study? If you're able, will you be back here at five? See, those things mean you care. Do you pray? Not just as a routine. Do you participate with Christians in the Lord's work? These are evidences of care. (coughs) Along with all the daily discipleship that shows up in duty. You love God and you want to be obedient to Christ. You care. And that persistence cannot be something that's on again and off again. Somebody mentioned after class this morning being hot are cold lukewarm the passage in revelation active and then inactive and then active again coming to the assemblies not coming coming back here's what it ought to be in 1 Corinthians 15:58 always abounding in the work of the Lord i read this the other day from the new international version always give yourselves fully To the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, can you say today, yes, I agree with that. But then what are you going to do tomorrow with that that you agreed with? Indifference can be slow. Almost a silent spiritual assassin. You don't get up one morning and then at 8.45 on a Tuesday say... You know, I cared at 844, but it's 845. I've decided I don't care anymore. That's not the way indifference works. It is a gradual decline over the years, months, and weeks that kills you. And it destroys churches. It does great damage to marriages and families. Jeremiah said of Judah, they didn't listen. They didn't care. Indifference slithered into their hearts and turned them from what's right to what is wrong. Malachi, Jeremiah, and the other prophets documented and exposed clearly the gradual process of dark indifference. Here's the way it ought to be for us. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It occurs to me as I conclude, when I read the Old Testament, how fresh and relevant that history is. It isn't just long ago, ancient people got caught up in building idols and immorality. Do you think our modern society is enlightened? Are we better? I know that we have smartphones and smart TVs. But in so many ways, are we still wandering in the wilderness and on our way to exile? I need to understand and we all need to understand you can't overcome a sin if you can't name it and own it. And then put it away through the provisions God made through Jesus Christ. These passages in the prophets should help us see. Name and own your personal failings. And take yourselves to the throne of God about your failings. Come away and do better. The teachings of the prophets can put us on alert. And I'm not just talking about our society or the nation. It's one thing to say. Well, our society is living just like Judah did before they went into exile. You know where that all needs to come down? It needs to come down to me and you. What brought Judah down could bring us down. It can bring the nation, the family, the local church, and individuals down, but I tell you, Christ is the answer. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. God can transport you away from defiance and immorality and injustice. To whatever extent you are presently guilty, Christ died to remove that guilt. But it isn't automatic. It starts with our first Responses of obedience. And then after that, if you fall, you get up and confess your sins and turn from them and you get back in good standing with the Lord. And why not now while we stand together to sing? Calling today, calling today